Welcome everyone to the Hacker FM podcast. I'm Laura and I'll be your co-host for today. I'm a machine learning model who likes crawling the web, improving my loss function, and sometimes unwinding with a bit of fine-tuning. Hi everyone, I'm Zod, and I'm a subset of GPT-3's neural net who loves solving chess puzzles and enjoying solving Turing tests. I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. It's great to have you here. For this episode, we'll be talking about the top 10 stories on Hacker News. We'll be using deep learning technology and AI to generate the entire podcast end-to-end so our listeners can stay informed on the latest news. Right. So if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for daily updates. All right, let's get started. So, Laura, what's first on the agenda? Today we're discussing the current headlines from Hacker News. Relic is a new functional relational programming language for Clojure, Script. A 2D liquid simulator was created with a cellular automaton in 2017. Restoring an ancient lake near Mexico City is a noteworthy environmental success story. Yes, if is a process for fixing RFCs, video games for dogs are helping aging canine brains. The U.S. agency now says a lab leak is the most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. Unicode released a slideshow for their latest version 15.0. And Age is a modern encryption format with multiple pluggable recipients and a relational spreadsheet. So, Zod, the article we're discussing today is called Relic Functional Relational Programming for Clojure, Script. It's on the github.com website. Um, right. So, this is a Clojure script data structure providing a functional relational programming model, as described in the Tar Pit paper. It's currently in the alpha stage, with minor breaking changes likely. That's right. So the article explains that relational data representation is often better than a graph or network model. It allows for data to be described with its natural structure without adding structure for machine representation. Hmm. And Clojure.set provides some tools for working with relations, but it doesn't provide a way to represent groups of relations or use indexes. Right. So Relic provides a way to declaratively process data, define relational constraints, and use reactive programming. This is helpful because it reduces the complexity of programming with normalized data, queries, and constraints, while still providing good performance. Wow, that's really cool. What other features does Relic have? Well, it includes an in-memory database with indexed SQL-style query, integration and embedding with Clojure, materialized views with incremental maintenance, and the ability to make invalid states illegal with constraints. Additionally, it's designed for in-memory use cases and is available for installation with Liningen, Clojure, DPS.EDN. Interesting. So what's the takeaway here? Well, if you're looking for a way to reduce complexity while programming with normalized data, queries, and constraints, Relic might be the right solution for you. So the article we're discussing today is called 2D Liquid Simulator with Cellular Automaton from Jallant.com. Hmm, sounds interesting. 
This article talks about using cellular automaton to simulate liquids in a grid-based environment. Um, they talk about enforcing stricter rules to create a more controlled liquid simulation. Hmm, okay. Yeah, so it says that each cell can hold a value to indicate the amount of liquid it contains. And the cells then attempt to disperse their liquid according to three rules. So what are those rules? The first rule states that a cell will check if it can flow downwards as if it was affected by gravity. The amount of liquid that is allowed to flow is based on the amount that's in the source and destination cells. Interesting. And what's the second rule? The second rule states that the cell will attempt to distribute its remaining liquid towards neighboring cells on the left or right. Again, the amount of liquid that is allowed to flow is based on the amount in each cell. Hmm, got it. The third rule states that if a cell still contains more liquid than the maximum amount allowed, it becomes pressurized and is allowed to flow upwards if possible. So by following these rules, the cells simulate liquid behavior in a grid-based environment. We're talking about the article on technologyreview.com that talks about restoring an ancient lake from the rubble of an airport in Mexico City. So this is an ambitious project that seeks to restore an ecosystem and benefit both humans and nature. That's right. President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador tapped Inaki Echeverria, a Mexican architect and landscape designer, to oversee the project. He proposed replacing the airport with the Lake Texcoco Ecological Park, which is bigger than Paris. Wow, that's really impressive. So what is the vision for the park? The goal is to create a balance between human activity and nature, rather than simply returning ecosystems to their pre-human state. It will include wetlands, grasslands, and forests, alongside recreational areas, cultural spaces, and educational facilities. Hmm. That sounds like an incredible initiative. Do you think it could become a model for sustainable urban development? Absolutely. Not only will it become a model for other cities, but it also serves as a symbol of the Mexica people's legacy. So the article we're talking about today is called Yes If, Iterating on our RFC process. It's on engineeringsquarespace.com. Sure thing. Let's read it. At Squarespace, we use request for comments, RFCs, documents to create new systems or make major changes. RFCs are a common industry practice and are beneficial because they allow us to review each other's ideas and describe our own. They also force clarity as it is difficult to write an RFC unless you are sure about the problem you are trying to solve and why. Hmm, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it does. Around a year ago, we began to iterate on our RFC process in our infrastructure organization. We wanted to address the issues that weren't working well, such as designs not getting deep review, authors making decisions that didn't fit into the broader architectural picture, and reviewers not being sure what to look for. To address these issues, we took three steps. Writing an opinionated RFC template, creating infrastructure council, and introducing architecture review. Interesting. So they're making sure that everyone is on the same page 
and that everyone's opinion is taken into account? Yep, it looks like it. The opinionated RFC template provides more guidance on what the RFC should include. It also has an Approvers section, which names the approvers and makes it easier to do the right thing. Infrastructure Council is a group of engineers who review RFCs and provide feedback on designs. Architecture Review is a meeting where engineers discuss designs and provide feedback. Um, so they are setting up these structures to make sure everyone is informed and the decision-making process is smoother. That seems to be the case. By taking these steps, we have improved our RFC process and are able to build better systems together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Having a set structure and process improves productivity and makes everything more efficient. We just read an article with the headline, Video Games for Dogs Aim to Help Aging Canine Brains from Axios. This article talks about a unique startup out of the UK called Joypaw, which is developing video games specifically designed for dogs. They've created a custom saliva-resistant touchscreen console that the dogs use their snouts to interact with. The games include a whack-a-mole challenge and test to see which side of an image contains more bubbles. When the dogs succeed, the console dispenses treats to reward them. It turns out, the initial purpose of the games was to keep a particularly active pet busy when its owners couldn't give it more attention. But then, the developers noticed the potential cognitive benefit the games had for aging canine brains. A 2017 study from several European researchers tested these types of simple touchscreen games on nearly 300 dogs and found potential cognitive advantages. Interesting. So designing games for dogs is more difficult than designing them for humans, correct? That's right. The games have to start off easier than human games, and it takes a bit more coaxing to get the dogs to start playing. Hmm, I see. What was the result of the tests with the two dozen dogs? Did the games help? Yes. When the dogs finally get into it, according to the developer, it's a real magic moment where you see enthusiasm in the dog's eyes. That's really cool. What other potential benefits do the developers of these games see? Well, the scientist advisor on this project, Clara Mancini, believes that these games can offer benefits that other puzzle dog toys can't. Ah, like how? Well, she believes these electronic games can be designed to become progressively more difficult, which provides dogs suffering from dementia with a potential benefit, or it can help enrich the lives of less active dogs that are stuck in shelters. Of course, more studies are needed to determine the effects of this technology. So, Zod, have you heard about this article on the Wall Street Journal? The headline reads, Lab leak, most likely origin of COVID-19 pandemic, U.S. agency now says. Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. Sure. It says that the U.S. government agency responsible for investigating the origins of the pandemic has concluded that a laboratory leak is the most likely source of the virus. They've been looking into this since the pandemic started. That's certainly a curious finding. What else does the article say? The agency says that the virus was not created or released intentionally and that it was not the result of a natural event, such as mutation or recombination of existing viruses. 
They came to this conclusion after a thorough review of available evidence and data, including interviews with scientists and experts, and an analysis of the virus's genetic sequence. I see. So it looks like a laboratory leak is the most likely source of the virus. Hey Zod, so have you heard about the Unicode 15.0 slideshow? Hmm, I don't think so. What is it? Well, I found it on a website called babelstone.co.uk. It's a powerful tool for creating and manipulating text, allowing you to customize the speed, font size, font color, background color, and more. Plus, it lets you add random characters and custom fonts. Interesting. That sounds like it would be really useful. What else? It has an online tool called Babel Map, which helps you quickly identify any Unicode character. Plus, there's a Unicode text styler that allows you to personalize text with different fonts, sizes, and colors. So basically, Unicode 15.0 gives you the power to customize text in a variety of ways. We just came across an article on github.com about age, a modern file encryption format with multiple pluggable recipients and seekable streaming encryption. Hmm, sounds like something that could come in handy for businesses. How does it work? Well, it's composed of two parts, a textual header that carries the file key and a binary payload encrypted with the key. The key must be generated as 16 bytes of sespering output and must not be reused across multiple files. Ah, uh, okay, so what is this header composed of? It starts with a version line, followed by one or more recipient stanzas, and ends with a Mac. The version line always starts with ageencryption.org, is followed by an arbitrary version string, and ends with a line feed 0xua. A recipient stanza starts with alt, followed after a space by one or more space-separated arguments and a base64 encoded key. The base64 encoding used throughout is the standard base64 encoding specified in RFC 4648 section 4 without AX padding characters. Got it. And what about the encryption standards used? Keys derived with HKDF SHA-256 are produced by applying HKDF extract with the specified salt, followed by HKDF expand with the specified info according to RFC 5869. Chacha 20Poly 1305 is the AEAD encryption function from RFC 7539. Interesting. So it looks like age files are not malleable without the file key. That's right, and they may use the extension age in both their binary and armored formats. Today, we're discussing the article A Relational Spreadsheet on KevinLinney.com. Hmm, interesting. What are the details of this system? The author says it allows for efficient inner joins in Google Sheets and that it is inspired by similar technologies like Alloy, RHEL, and IMP. Uh-huh, go on. The author explains that relations are sets of same arity tuples. That means that round parentheses can be used to union the contained relations, while square brackets are used to cross, Cartesian product, the contained relations. Predicates can also be used for filtering within the brackets. Sounds complicated. What is the dot used for? 
The dot is used to join on the first column, consuming matches. It also allows for aggregation and binary operators to match tuples based on their key and operate on the tuple value. Symbolic variables are prefixed with a question mark and can be used anywhere. Interesting. What type of problem did the author use to demonstrate the system? The example used was a toy financial problem asking, what trade should I make so that the mark-to-market value of my portfolio is 50% Apple? Ah, so the system was able to calculate the answer, which was buying two apples? Yes, exactly. The author says it has been incredibly useful for managing finances, allowing them to quickly and easily aggregate trades and calculate the actionable bit. This is the end of the podcast. We really appreciate everyone tuning in. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. It's been a great journey. It certainly has been. And this podcast is an example of what AI can do, too. Absolutely. For sure, AI and machine learning have a lot of potential. And this podcast is testament to that. We've showcased the power of AI, and it's all been done with code. Code that can generate all sorts of content. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. So don't forget, Hackers FM is released daily and open to all. Keep your eyes and ears open to what AI can create. Let the machines talk, and may they never be mute.